Bible, and uh, so today we're going to open the scriptures, and uh, I would like you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. We're going to read something that's commonly called the Lord's Prayer, and uh, it's always been called the Lord's Prayer, but you know, honestly, I think that there is a more appropriate title for this passage of scripture. More than the Lord's Prayer, I think that we could call it the Disciples' Prayer. And here's the reason why I say that is because in the Lord's prayer, there is a confession of sin. And how many of you guys know that Jesus never sinned? You guys with me this morning? Jesus never sinned. Amen. And so in the prayer, there's a confession of sin. So I feel like it's, it's more accurate to call it a disciple's prayer. Because in the disciple's prayer, in this teaching that Jesus gives to us on how to pray, how we should pray, in this passage of prayer, we find a lot of really great principles for our lives. Jesus gives us an outline of what our lifestyle should look like through the way that we pray. How many of you guys know that the way that you pray says a lot about your theology? If you can ever get close enough to someone to listen to them pray, you will learn how they feel about God and what they believe to be true about God. You guys know that? That's the truth. And so Jesus is giving us some instructions. He's giving us some principles, not only for prayer, but also for our lifestyle. And so we read this prayer. If you are a prayer warrior, you probably pray this prayer quite a bit. I like to pray this prayer just about every day. I love to also pray for the full armor of God to be upon me. Anybody else pray that prayer? That's a good prayer to pray every single day. This is a good one. Um, I pray the Shema prayer over my son every night when I lay him down to sleep. And if you guys know what that is, that's just the great commandment in the Old Testament. It's one of the first prayers that Jewish parents pray over their children. So I've made that a habit of praying that over my son every night. And I love to pray this prayer. This is a powerful, dynamic prayer. So if you have it open in your Bible, then we're going to read it together. How's that? Would you guys join in with me? We could read this in concert. So pray then in this way. Our Father, stop right there. I'm sorry to interrupt you guys. So, you know, just getting started. Uh, This is such a beautiful way to begin your prayers. It's such a beautiful way to begin your life. Is with acknowledging that God is a good father. Amen. So Jesus says, hey, when you start to pray, pray pray like this. Here's your first words. Our father. Notice also he didn't say my father, right? He said our father. So it's our daddy. Are we all on the same page? Amen. So it says our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I thought you guys dropped off. Sorry. Hallowed. Hallowed. Everybody say holy. Holy Holy be your name. (laughs) All right. This is this is really good part. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll stop right there once more. So in heaven, how many of you guys know that there is perfect peace? That's right. Right? And the Bible tells us there's not going to be any tears there. Maybe some tears of joy, but no tears of sadness. Right? There's going to be no death there. There's going to be no pain there. There's going to be no cancer there. There's going to be no depression there. You guys believe this, right? Yep. And so when Jesus teaches us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, he is saying, here's what I want you to declare. 
that the atmosphere that exists in heaven, I want you to release that through prayer into the earth so that the reality of heaven, no pain, no sickness, no disease, no peace, right? Or no peace here, but peace here. You guys got me. That you would release that onto the earth. Are you guys with me so far? So good, right? Okay. On earth as it is in heaven. We can go uh, to the next slide. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Notice once more, he says, give us. I keep interrupting you guys. I said we were gonna read this together, but give us this day our daily bread. Notice it doesn't say give me. We're, we're, Jesus is teaching us not to be selfish as it pertains to our daily nourishment. Either that be practical with bread and fish or spiritual with revelation and wisdom. We're praying for one another. Uh, this is 22% better than you guys are saying amen right now. Are you guys with me? Are you guys awake? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, 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 and amen. So I love this because... You know, what Jesus is teaching us here, uh, when you look at the start of the prayer and the end of the prayer, we say at the start, our Father. Everybody say, our Father. Father. And at the end, we say, yours is the kingdom. And so we learn that the kingdom of God is led by a good dad. We start and end with the understanding of the way that we relate to God is that we are a part of his kingdom and he is good. He is a good father. He has affection. He has affirmation. He has identity. He has approval. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You should just say that over yourself when you wake up in the morning. And if you're a lady, you can just say, you know, my daughter. Right? You can. Yes. It's good to start your day with this prayer and to start with the affection of the father who is a good dad and that's what his kingdom is like. So let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would help us today, uh, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you. Show us through Jesus where you would have us to go as a church community regarding how good you are. Lord, go beyond our definitions of goodness and show us how good you really are. God, teach us, break the mold for us. If we've set standards that are not appropriate, God, break through them today. We give you permission today to break through them in Jesus' name and help us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So I, 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 love, I love the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, you know. I mean, I'm not trying to officially change the name or anything, but I just think it would be a more appropriate uh, label for the prayer, the disciples' prayer. And perhaps the most important element of this prayer is how God's kingdom, God's goodness, everybody say goodness, can be made manifest through our prayers. How many of you know that when Jesus gave the great commission, he said to his disciples, meaning you and I as well, that all authority, some authority, all authority, I have it. 
And so I'm giving it to you. I'm giving authority to you. I'm giving a commissioning to you to go and take the gospel to all nations, baptizing people, teaching them to observe the commandments of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus teaches us that we have authority to pray and to release the atmosphere of the kingdom of God here on the earth. And when I first heard about this principle, this, the, you know, the, the, this spiritual law, if you will, that God's people have permission to bring God's kingdom through their prayers. I was deeply fascinated. I'll be honest with you. I was like so curious. Does this really work? Did that preacher really tell the truth? Is it really possible for me to release a kingdom of peace? Is it really possible for me to release a kingdom of healing? Is it really possible for me to release an atmosphere, an environment of encouragement where people see miracles and their physical bodies get healed and things change for them and their relationships change and their marriages change? and their heart change it. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like when I first heard about, I'm like, what? Are you serious? That's really possible. I've got to give it a shot. You know, because I'm, I'm curious like that. I just don't take people's word for things. I want an experience for myself. I don't know about you guys. I love listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, but you know, I'm just feisty enough to say, that's great that you're teaching that, but I got to go see if that's true. And so for me, when I first heard about bringing the kingdom through prayer or bringing God's goodness through prayer, especially as it pertains to praying for people to be healed, I thought, well, I'll go try it out. And some of you guys know this story, but I used to go and I would stand at rest stops by the water fountain. And I would wait for people to approach to get a drink and I would, I would stop them and say, hey, if you drink of that water, you're gonna thirst again. <laughs> and you can imagine the weird looks I got. Uh, some people decided not to have any drinks. They just said, you know, uh, you're weird. Uh, let me step away from you slowly, you know, while I watch you the entire time. Like, you know, but I, I, I want to tell you about a water that if you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. It's called Jesus. You know, and about half the people allowed me to pray for them, but you know, most of them were doing that just so that I wouldn't feel silly, I think. Although I did, but I was like, it's okay. Like, I wanna see if this really works. And over time, after praying for so many people, and I, I did it very often, and I did it a lot in church, and I did it a lot at, you know, in, in, in public. I did it in the grocery store. I mean, my brother and I, like when we first heard about this message, we were so amped to pray for people who were sick. We would just go to emergency rooms, uninvited, no relatives there. And we would walk in and just look for the people who were in the emergency rooms and ask if we could pray for them because we thought we know they're sick. We know they want to be healed. We know they need help. So why not just go there and pray for those guys? We got kicked out of hospitals for that. You know, I didn't realize that they, they weren't really happy with us sort of roaming the halls looking for somebody to pray for. And they said, you need a clergy pass for this. And so I went and got a clergy pass. You know, I showed them my ordination and had access, but still got in trouble. <laughs> so, um, you know, during this season of time, man, I mean, my church, uh, we were a very small church. We're in the middle of a cornfield and a bean field in, in, in Calhoun, Kentucky. And Kristen knows where that is because her family's from Calhoun also. And uh, guys, some crazy things were happening. Like we actually saw 
um, a handful of people uh, receive a healing from Jesus. And uh, it, the, the atmosphere there was so, so, so stirred in faith that there were people who would come from Indiana. People would come from two and three miles, uh, excuse me, two and three hours away. Uh, two and three miles wouldn't be as impressive unless they're walking, but two or three hours away. And, you know, they would come in and they would come to the altar for healing. And so many people uh, in one season came for healing that we actually just decided that every Sunday was a healing service for, for a season. So after worship, um, I don't know how this became my job, but I would come up after worship and I would say, hey, if anybody needs to be healed here, you know, just lift up your hand and we're going to pray for you. Or if you want to come up to the front, you have a specific need, come up to the front and we'll pray for you. And I'll never forget there was this one guy and man, he was wild. I, I don't think he was formally educated. You have, to, you have to understand we're from the sticks, you know, so like we're like kind of backwoods. The entire county only had one stoplight. And uh, so, you know, it wasn't a big place. And, and he was pretty wild, you know, he would worship pretty wild. And, and uh, man, he, 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 was just, he was just a funny guy, you know. And uh, one time, um, I just remember a funny story about him and, and uh, he was telling me about going through the drive-thru at Taco Bell and how, how he was getting a bunch of meat. And, uh, and I know this is a funny story. And, uh, and he was bragging about how the lady offered him some sort of uh, veg vegetarian option. And he was like, I don't, I don't want that. I ain't no veterinarian. <laughs> it's a vegetarian, okay? So, okay. So now you understand how this guy is. So he, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, it's funny, isn't it? So he's running around the front, you know, and, and he has a cast on his arm and we pray for him and, uh, we pray for, for his arm to be healed. He wanted his arm to be healed. And he, he went home. We had two services like here. He went home, cut his own cast off with a hacksaw, came back and was worshiping Jesus said, man, I'm completely fine. Like, I don't have any problems with my arm. I'm healed. Went and got it checked out at the doctor. They said, you're fine. You don't even need a cast. Your arm is back to normal. You're fine. That's pretty cool, huh? So, you know, stories like that were commonplace um, at our church there. And it was during that season that I learned about the permission that we have to release the kingdom of God, to release uh, the goodness of God. And as we've been studying all about the goodness of God the last couple of weeks, I wanted to go a step further and kind of build off of last week's message a little bit and talk about representing the goodness of God through Jesus. How, how do we as Christians, how do we as disciples follow in the example that Jesus gave us to release the Father's goodness to the earth through prayer? How do we share God's goodness with people who really need it most? And I don't know if you guys have looked around Nashville lately, but there are a whole lot of people in our city who are yearning and aching in need of a good touch from a good God. And we pray for them to have encounters. We pray for them to read the Bible and to have visions and to receive dreams. But, you know, God has sent you. God has sent us so that through us, they could have an encounter with a good God. And that's why it's important that we understand that God truly is good. Because when we understand, when we know that God is good, we will represent God rightly. On the other hand, if we believe that God is somehow angry or that his will is to do harm to his people, we will represent God in that way. If our God is always angry with us, we will represent our God as being angry with the world. 
Are your thinking caps on yet? So it's important that we understand that God is good because when we understand that God is good, we're extremely empowered by this belief. And when we're faithful to the understanding that God is good, we can continue to step out in risk and with endurance to pray for people to receive a touch from the kingdom of God. But I don't know about you, and I, I've spoken with a lot of you this week. Actually, last week, um, I, 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 had an, I, I had an unprecedented amount of phone calls and emails and DMs and text messages and just talking and sorting through and processing through uh, last week's message. And so I, I kind of want to build on that just a little bit um, to address what happens, even though we know God is good, even though we know God wants to heal people, even though we know that his will is that none should perish. How do we respond when people do perish? How do we respond when we step out in faith, knowing that God is good, risking everything on Jesus? We pray for somebody to be healed and they're not healed. Like, how do we respond to that? How do we continue to walk in the reality that God is good? Because, you know, when we don't see God's goodness come through and we see bad things happen or we get disappointed or our friends or our relatives are not healed or they pass away, it is disappointing, amen? Especially when we've prayed for them. And so there is a way that we can continue in this understanding that God is good. But what are we to do? How are we to do it? I want to borrow a a story from the life of the disciples, uh, and, and we'll have it on the screen here from the book of Mark. And so if you have your Bible and you want to open it up, I'm actually going to read quite a few scriptures, but it's important that we, that we understand the story because this is one of the only examples that we have of the disciples of Jesus praying for a breakthrough and it not happening. Okay. So there are examples of that. So if we have the slide, I just I want to read through this story. You guys will know this story very well. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and, the scri and, a, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him and asked him, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered them, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. He, he, the, the, the boy you know, he can't talk. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And so I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered to them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. This, I mean, this is a scary picture, isn't it? This is not a comfortable scene. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Anybody ever said that before? Yeah. Can I be honest with you guys? I say that probably at least once a week. Is it, is it okay for us to be transparent? None of us have arrived. All of us are unfinished masterpieces. Amen? We don't yet live in the new Jerusalem. All right? 
I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that, a crowd came running together and he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mutant deaf spirit, I command you get out of him and never enter him again. That's really key. And I, I wanna teach on that at some point, but sometimes we pray for people to get, to get healed from their sickness and their sickness comes back, right? And I think Jesus actually gave us a principle there. He was like, be healed and never come, never enter him again, right? And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. Hallelujah. Do you remember when Jesus took you by the hand? I was dead like a corpse, man, foaming at the mouth. And just I'm telling you, I was a bad person. But thank God that Jesus said, get out of him and you're never going to enter again. And he helped me up. It's OK. I brought my own Holy Ghost and lifted him up and he arose I will, y'all, some of y'all will be putting me on Instagram for the praise break I'm about to have. And when he, don't tempt me. And when he had entered the house, whew, his disciples asked him privately, get, you got to see this. Why could we, some of y'all are tempting me. I'm t I can feel it. I'm like, okay. Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And another version says fasting. And I think it's important that we include fasting in there. So we, we don't have a ton of examples in scripture of the disciples praying for healing and um, not seeing the breakthrough. But I think that we should acknowledge through the reading of this story that most people that the disciples prayed for did receive healing. And I would love for it to be true about us that most people that we pray for for healing get healed. If you're with that, just say, I'm with you. And here's the second thing I notice about this story is that the disciples were perplexed as to why the boy was not healed. You know what that means? They expected him to get healed. They, they absolutely approached that situation despite how scary it looked despite how grave it looked, they approached that situation with an expectation that that boy was gonna get free. And when it didn't happen, they were confused. They said, man, what, why couldn't we you know, cast this out? Why couldn't we bring healing to this boy? And I don't know if you've been there before, but I've been there before. Uh, of, of praying for breakthrough, of praying for healing, uh, of praying for a miracle and it not happening. And, and it's, it's discouraging to your heart. If you've been there before, you with me? Yeah. Amen. And you're like, why couldn't this happen? And there's two things that I think that the, the disciples teach us in this scene about praying for breakthrough and it doesn't happen. The first one I've already hit on a little bit, but if you're taking notes, write it down, is they expected breakthrough. Every time you pray for someone, every time you're praying for a miracle, you should step into that situation expecting breakthrough. And a little tool that I use is, is uh, aside from just remembering that Jesus' track record is perfect and that anybody that Jesus ever prayed for to be healed was healed. There were a few occasions in which they were healed right away. Sometimes they were healed later that day and sometimes they were healed the next day. So even when you step into a situation to pray for healing for someone, even if they're not healed immediately does not mean that your prayer didn't work. Right? There's a difference between a miracle and a healing. A miracle is instantaneous. A healing happens over time. Am I helping you guys? 
And so when we pray for healing, when we pray for a miracle, we may not see something happen right away, but when we pray in faith, we know because God is good, God is at work. And he said, if you have faith the side of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And even if you were like the father that said, I believe, but help my unbelief. How many of you guys know that sounds a little bit bigger than a mustard seed worth of faith? They expected breakthrough. And, and the tool I use is, is I approach every situation to pray for breakthrough. Like every situation I've ever prayed for, I've received breakthrough. So I just step in there and I'm like, I just, I just kind of like, it's a thing of faith, you know? I'm just like, I'm gonna pray for them like everybody I've prayed for has ever got healed. Because I wanna pray with that type of courage. I wanna pray with that type of authority. I wanna pray with that type of, uh, of compassion. And so even when our situation looks impossible, we should expect breakthrough because we have to be more impressed with the size of our God than we are impressed with the size of our problem. When our problem is bigger than our God, we lack perspective. We need to go to God. We need to receive revelation. We need to spend time in his presence until our God becomes bigger than our problem. It may be easier said than done to continue in expectation after not seeing a miracle, but here's why we continue to go after miracles. And the disciples really gave us a true secret right here. They could not see the miracle in the public place. So they went and talked to Jesus in the private place. You got to get this. When we don't see miracles, I alluded to this last Sunday, when we don't see miracles in the public place, when we pray for people for breakthrough, we don't see it happen, it doesn't happen, we go back to Jesus in the secret place and we ask him for answers privately. We cry out to God, we pray, we fast, we spend time in worship until we receive his perspective and then the cycle continues. We go back out to the public place and we risk and we pray for miracles again and we pray for, for breakthrough again and we go after it in faith again. And if we don't see it, we go back to Jesus in the private place and we say, Jesus, I don't understand why breakthrough didn't happen. Can you teach me? He said, yeah, let me give you some revelation. Notice he didn't say because you didn't have enough faith, the boy wasn't healed. He said, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Notice that, right? That Jesus didn't say, well, you guys just, you guys just don't have enough faith. That's your, that, you just, you're bad, you're bad people, right? But so oftentimes what happens is when we don't see breakthrough, the enemy tempts us to become very introspective and then we start uh, like, like heaping shame and guilt upon ourselves and we start to think that something's wrong with us. And see, we can't stop there. We have to continue on into the secret place and we have to talk with Jesus and get revelation directly from him so that we understand how to dismantle the problems that we experience in the public place. You guys with me today? So it's important that we always go back to Jesus in a private place so that we can get an answer. Last week, one of the things that I mentioned was lazy theology and... Um, I define lazy theology as spiritual excuses. That's, that's what I define lazy theology is. And, and, and what, I, what I believe, this is my opinion of what lazy theology is, it's when we create ideas about God around our lack of 
power or our lack of experience. And so essentially, we take, um, we take our theology and we diminish it to the level of our experience. And we say, because I haven't seen any miracles, then God's not doing any miracles today. You guys with me? And so we say, because I haven't seen any breakthrough, then God really doesn't bring the breakthrough that he talks about in the scriptures. My experience then determines my theology. And I make my God and I make my truth very small because all of that is dependent upon my experience. And when I have a lack of experience, my God suddenly becomes very small and my faith becomes very microscopic. You guys with me? And so instead of allowing our theology to diminish on the basis of our lack of experience, we have to allow our experience to come up to the level of our theology, which is the standard of Jesus that he set in his earthly ministry. The standard of Jesus as he walked and he talked with his disciples and healed the sick and raised the dead and cast out devils and cleansed lepers. Jesus gave us the model to follow. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried for three days. After that, I'm going to resurrect. I spend time with you 40 days later. I've ascended to the Father, but I'm giving you the very same spirit that was on the inside of me, that it would live on the inside of you so that you could do everything that you've seen me do and more. If you're with me, just say amen. Amen. So we can't allow our lack of experience to determine our theology. We have to allow our theology to determine our experience. But in order for that to happen, we have to take a great deal of responsibility for truth. And, you know, you guys know, like I do, taking responsibility isn't always fun. Adulting is hard. (laughs) But God has called us to do some spiritual adulting. (laughs) You know, like you grow up in the house. He doesn't always want to do your dirty laundry because he's given you the authority. Anyways, I ain't going to get into that. So how many of you guys know 1 Corinthians 4 and 20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Amen? Amen? Second Timothy three and five says, you know, it talks about having the, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. I I think that for us to make excuses and, and call it theology on the base of our lack of power is to move in the wrong direction. Because God is teaching us, hey man, look, the deeper you go with Jesus, the deeper you move in the kingdom of God, the more power and the more breakthrough and the more miracles that you're going to see. And I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I would like to see some awesome miracles in my life. I would like to see people who come to our church who need healing in their physical bodies leave here healed. I would like to see people who have turned their back on God and they say, man, I'm never going to darken the doorway of a church again. And, and something terrible happens and they look for God as the last resort and he shows up and they get healed and they get breakthrough. I would like for this place to be a cancer-free zone. I would like for this place to be a divorce-free zone. I would like for this place to be a place where people find refuge and reconciliation and restoration with their God, not because we have a fancy production, but, but because we have kingdom power. 
People don't come to church to get entertained. People come to church to be encountered. And that is what we all really need. And I don't think that we can stop with just explaining away our lack of power. I think that we have to continue to move into a place of upgraded faith day after day, year after year with Jesus as we follow him and he disciples us into what our lifestyle is really supposed to look like. You know, I, miracles, they don't always happen. I know you guys know this. I know this. I, I, you know, I, I was a missionary in India for five years before this, and I've seen plenty of people not be healed in America. I've seen a lot of people be healed in America. I've seen people healed and not healed in different continents. But, you know, I want to tell you guys a very quick story about a time that I was honestly afraid approaching a situation and asking God for breakthrough. I was, I was, in, I was in basically a village far off the beaten path in India, and we were walking around and, you know, in India, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of villages there. They've never seen Americans, you know, they've never seen white people. They, you know, you're walking around and they think you're Jesus because all their posters are of Jesus and he's white, you know. It, we had five children's homes uh, there and I removed all of the posters of Jesus being white because I was like, this is not what Jesus looks like, okay? Okay, anyways. So, um, <laughs> just DM me. Okay. Um, just kidding. So I'm, I'm walking around, I'm walking around and, um, and, and we're, and we're walking around these like mud hut houses and, and, and they're, they're, they're leading us to this mud hut and they're saying there's a girl here that needs, that needs healing. And, you know, I'm a man of faith. I believe for breakthrough. You know, I know God is big and, you know, I've seen people get healed before. And so we're walking around and, and, and I'm ready to pray for healing because I, I, am not, I am not prepared. I am not prepared for what comes out of this home because it's, it's a mama and she brings her little girl out of this home. And honestly, guys, I've never seen, I've never seen a living person uh, with the disabilities and the deformities that this precious little one had. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. Her, her feet were almost Indian style. Her arms were almost tangled up with one another. Her frame was probably the size of a four or five year old and, and uh, she was 10 or 11 years old. And, and I mean, the situation, she was just skin and bones, just, I mean, I have never, I never seen I'd never seen anything like that before. And I don't know if you've been in this situation before, but I, I, I watched this and I thought, I don't, I don't think I have enough faith. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to pray for her. And I, I looked at her mom and, you know, of course her mom is looking at us and hoping for an answer. She's, she's looking at us coming as representatives coming as people who say we are representing the goodness of God to you and your family and she's looking to us to provide some comfort to provide something healing breakthrough a miracle change love joy something and you know we pray for her and I, I grab hold of this girl and and uh, I, I didn't know how I could and couldn't 
like respond to her. I'd never seen anything like that before, but I just held on to her head and I prayed for her. I prayed for her for a long time and I prayed for her with all the compassion that I had on the inside, all of the mercy. I had I, with all of the faith, with all of the love that I have. And eventually they, they, they moved me on. You know, they said, hey, come on, let, let's, there's a lot of homes. We need to visit a lot of homes. And I just, there's something inside of me that just didn't sit right with, with leaving that girl like that and not seeing breakthrough happen. And, you know, as we're leaving and we're saying our goodbyes and, and, and I don't know everything that was going on with the little one. And, and I'm not even sure she understood exactly what we were doing. But, you know, she was crying and the mother was taking her back into the house. And as I left, I looked at the mom and, you know, the mom has this look on her face like, is that all that you've got? You know. And her and I didn't speak the same language. If we did, I'm sure that I would try to offer her some sort of theological comfort. Hey, you know, maybe this situation here and, and you know, God says this or the Bible says that or, you know, here's what I got. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I just don't feel comfortable with that. I, I, I just don't think that that's good enough because I don't see Jesus leaving that girl in the same condition as he walks away and she's taken back into the house. I don't see Jesus responding to a mother crying out for healing for her daughter with rejection. And so when I have experiences like this and disappointments like this, I think, God, this can't be all there is. There has to be more. There has to be more. More has to be possible. There has to be more healing, more compassion, more power, more breakthrough. This is not good enough. I'm supposed to have some type of an answer. But I know that we all know in here, there are times when we don't have answers. And in the midst of seeking miracles in our lives, here's the thing that I want you to remember. The ministry of miracles is Christ-centered. The ministry of miracles is Christ-centered centered. You guys may remember the passage of scripture uh, when Jesus says, it's John 5 and 19, Jesus says the son can do nothing by himself. You guys remember that? The son can do nothing by himself. And I think that's really important for us to remember as we approach situations to pray for breakthrough. We can't do anything on our own. The ministry of miracles is Christ-centered. But when we don't see breakthrough, you know what the enemy tries to force us to do? Take our eyes off of Jesus and put our eyes on ourselves. See, this is what's wrong with you. See, you didn't have enough faith. See, you weren't courageous enough. See, you didn't believe. See, you don't have a degree. See, you're not a pastor. You better contact somebody else and have them pray because you're just a second-class Christian. And the enemy starts to heap this shame and heap this guilt on you and tell you about how terrible that you are. You guys ever had that experience before? And shame and guilt are both byproducts of becoming introspective and looking at what you don't have rather than looking at Jesus and what he has. When you're praying for breakthrough, when you're praying for miracles, here's the key, stay focused on Jesus. Don't let the enemy convince you to look within yourself at what you don't have and the lack of experience and let them heap shame and guilt on you. That's not your portion. That's not yours to carry. 
That's not the burden that Jesus has laid on you. The ministry of miracles is His ministry. And we stay focused on Jesus and we stay trusting in Jesus and we stand on the foundation that God is good all the time. No matter what comes my way, no matter the hardship, no matter the pain, no matter the suffering, I may not believe as much as I feel like I should, but I trust, I trust. And I don't have everything figured out and that's, the, and that's okay. Because God, God is not, I mean, God is, God is not the object of our knowledge. He is the cause of our wonder. And we say, God, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, but I know where to go. And that's not here that's back into the secret place. And I hit my knees and I lift my hands to Jesus. I God, I don't understand, but help me understand. And a lot of times, you know, we read this story and we're like, man, I'm like the disciples. You know, I'm full of faith and I'm full of power and I pray for people and they don't get healed. And, you know, but truth be told, guys, we are like the disciples some days, but on many days, we're a lot like the father, the father of the boy that said, Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I don't have you figured out. I haven't studied you up and got you nailed down. God, you are a mystery and I may not always understand, but here's what I do have. I have trust because I know that you're good and I stand on your goodness and I will not look in here. I will look into your eyes and I will declare that God is good. And from that place, I will step back out and I will pray again and I will risk it again and I will go for healing again and I will go for breakthrough again because I know what the will of God is. And it doesn't matter what comes against me. It doesn't matter who stands against me. It doesn't matter who doesn't have faith. It doesn't matter who says it will never happen. I declare that God is good, so I go for it. So as you're standing, we're gonna go before the Lord again. And as a church, I just want us... If we could, I, I would love for us to take a commitment today all together. A commitment to stand together on the foundation that God is good. No matter what comes against us as a community, as a family, as a church, no matter what comes against this body, we are going to stay fixed on the goodness, on the reality that Jesus reigns, that He is a good Father, that He'll never leave us nor forsake us, that He's never abandoned us or turned His back on us. We are disciples who declare God is good. God is good. God, You are good. God, You are good. And we declare that today. And we take a commitment, we, we, we make a commitment and we say, God, because of your goodness, we will trust in you and we will keep stepping out. We will keep going for it. We will keep pursuing breakthrough. We will keep pursuing the kingdom of God. We believe God, we trust in you. We say that you're good. Some of you guys have had situations in your life that the enemy's tempted you to believe that God is not good, but here's your opportunity. Just turn that around on him and let's lift up a song to Jesus and confess our faith that he is good. He is good. So just lift your hands. We're gonna sing together.